There's a word from the Lord this morning as we continue this series that God has given us, which is the final series for the year 2022. At the beginning of this year, we declared that our theme for 2022 would be faith, family, and community. For the first third of the year, we shared with you messages, other shared messages on faith. The series was simply entitled Faith Matters. And then on the next part of the year, we shared with you messages on family. That series was Family Matters. So many beautiful messages were shared uh, throughout that time period on family. Now, in this last third of the year, last third of the year, we are sharing messages on community. And our theme simply is community matters. Look at someone and say it matters. There is something bigger than you, more significant than you. And it is our community. We said to you at the beginning of this year that there would be messages that would be challenging. Some perhaps challenged us more personally than others. This is one of those messages that God has given us that is going to be a challenge for all of us individually. As I was studying for this message a long time, Ago, I, I learned a long time ago, even when I was in school, I, whenever we had to turn in term papers, <laughs> my professor would say to me, it's not due for two weeks from now. Pastor Lawson, I would always turn it in two weeks earlier because I was so nervous and paranoid that something could happen and, and I missed the deadline. So even in studying sermons, I, God has pressed for me to do it so much earlier in advance. It gives you a chance to digest yourself to be blessed by the word of God yourself. And so God said, Pastor Jackson, this is not just for the congregation, not just for the virtual audience, but this is for you as a leader of the people that I've given you the privilege to pastor. Community Matters, message number two. Text is found in a very familiar reference of Holy Scripture, one that I try to preach from at least once every year, at least once every year. Like I'm one of those preachers that's not ashamed to say I've preached this before, okay? I, I take pride in the fact that I've, I've preached this several times before and will preach it again and again and again. St. Luke chapter 10 verses 33 to verse 37. Hear the reading of God's holy word. Then a despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man he felt compassion for him. Going over to him the Samaritan smoothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I will pay you the next time. I am here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man who asked Jesus the question replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. We ask God's blessings on the reading and the hearing of his word. The series is entitled 
Community matters. Here is the subject for the second message. Now, these are not instructions. These are, this is just the subject. I don't need you to do something. You'll catch it when I tell you. But here's the subject. Look at someone and simply say, touch your neighbor. That's what I want to talk about. Clap your hands, take your seat. <clears throat> Maybe seated. Touch your neighbor. Touch your neighbor. As we began this series on last week, Community Matters, we talked about the importance of understanding that community is more important than individuals. What we do collectively is more important than what we've done as one single person. In this, our second message of this series, it is important now that we define what we are referring to when we use the word community. What are we talking about? What are we not just talking about? So when we speak of community, we are not just talking about institutions. We're not just talking about buildings and streets, houses, or neighborhoods. We are speaking collectively about people. Somebody say people. <laughs> Somebody say people matters. <laughs> and all the human experiences of our existence as people. That's what we're talking about when we talk about community. Listen, one of the definitions that I like is found in Merriam-Webster's dictionary as it defines community, the one that is perhaps most appropriate for this series is this. It says, and I quote, community, a group of people with a common characteristic or interest living together within a larger society. That is a community. Here's a, another description that I saw and I want to share with you. It says community, a true community is not just about being geographically close to someone or a part of the same social web network. It is about feeling connected and responsible for what happens. Humi Listen to this. Humanity is our ultimate community and everyone plays a crucial role. Community is humanity. Community is people. And we all play a very important role. So, having heard this description and Merriam-Webster's definition, when we speak of community, we're not just speaking of building houses, churches, and community centers, and youth zones, and senior citizens complex. We're not just talking about building buildings. We're speaking of building up people. Go with me. <laughs> Speak of community, not just talking about shingles on a roof. We're talking about building up. Somebody say building up. People, making them feel better. Making their lives better. Making them feel a sense of belonging. We're not just speaking of helping to create good and safe neighborhoods, but we're speaking of inspiring people 
to become good and helpful neighbors. Not just neighborhoods, but neighbors. <laughs> neighbors are more important than neighborhoods. Somebody caught it. <laughs> because, see, a neighborhood, you don't have to put a face to it. You can't always touch a neighborhood, but you can touch a neighbor. <laughs> Look at somebody and say, touch your neighbor. <laughs> Listen, it is said, and I would agree with this assessment, that we are perhaps living in a time in which neighbors helping neighbors, uh, that is becoming harder and harder and harder to find. Can I speak the truth? We have, as a society, become so isolated. We've become so selfish that perhaps any than any other time in recent history. People now is just me, my spouse, my daughter, my son, us four, and no more. We don't say it, but we act like it. Amen. We've become selfish and isolated. I'll get mine. Everybody got to get theirs for themselves. God loves the child that helps his self. Home. We, we know all the cliches that, 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 that gives us some sense of, of, of take away the guilt for not doing more, particularly when we know we should do a whole lot more. I need to challenge all of us this morning. Listen, there seems to be more and more people who subscribe to this quote. In fact, it is a very famous quote from a very famous American poet by the name of Robert Frost, who is quoted as saying, good fences make good neighbors. <laughs> in other words, you stay in your yard, I stay in my yard. You don't bother my stuff. I don't bother your stuff. And we'll get along just fine. Speak over the fence. Hey, bye. We've built fences and gates and walls, not just around our communities, but around ourselves and around who we are. However, I stop by to say to you that it has always been God's will that we come from behind our fences, come from behind our walls, leave our beautiful sanctuaries, leave our church campuses as we reach out to help those that are in need that cannot help themselves, regardless of who they are, are the reasons for their situation. God, can I let you in on something? God has never been overly impressed by the beauty and the size of our buildings. <laughs> and what I've discovered, Brother Deacons, those buildings have never been for God. They've always been about us. We build shrines, Dr. Cheryl Washington, uh, to ourselves through our buildings and go brag to others about how big and how beautiful our buildings are and what we are doing in our churches. And God yawns and says, let me know when you're serious. As believers, we are expected to be examples to the world of neighbors helping neighbors. Yes, sir. 
not just by the words we say, but also by the things we do. We, we have an obligation to be light and salt. We have an obligation to lead the way on how we help those that are less fortunate than we are. Not by our sermons and our worship experiences. Listen, we, we become so obsessed uh, with, with the process of worship and worship plays an important role. What, what the worship and arts team did today is important, but do not mistake what this is about. We are at the gas station. Can I say it again? We are putting fuel in our tank so that we can lead. nobody nobody fills up the car to stay at the gas station problem problem with us is that we built shrines and memorials at the gas station we we are so impressed on where we filled up that we don't use what we filled up with to do something about what is going on can I preach? So God says we have to set the examples. We have to be shining examples of what it means for neighbors to touch neighbors, for neighbors to help other neighbors by what we do. And as I was putting this message together, the Lord said to me, perhaps there is no other passage of scripture that is more appropriate uh, to make this point than the one we've chosen for our text today as it relates to how to be and what it means to become a good neighbor. Listen to the text. May I preach this? In our text, and I need you to pay attention to this. Again, this message was not designed to make you shout. <laughs> it is designed for you to think and to examine ourselves. In our text, Jesus responds to the questions asked by someone who was described in the text, quote, as an expert in religious law. This is important. This was a smart person. Uh, this was an expert in religious law. And any good lawyer would tell you, you learned this and being a good, I almost was a lawyer, okay? I, I was in law school and sometimes, I, I saved that. That's a, I, I, almost was, I almost was a lawyer. Sometimes I wonder, okay? But, 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 but any good lawyer, Pastor Lawson knows, you don't ask the question if you don't already think you know the answer. Okay? So, so this religious astute expert, this religious uh, great smart guy asked a question of Jesus that he thought he knew the answer. In fact, he, he thought he could entrap Jesus. And he says to him, who is my neighbor? Jesus responds as he often did by sharing a parable. This is so important. I said to the church this morning, what I love so much about Jesus is the simplicity of his ministry. Jesus was a theologian compared to anyone else. Knew more scripture than anyone else. But he didn't think it was important for him to impress the people how smart he was. What, what gets me out of the quarry about so many preachers today and so many pontificators of the gospel today is that they are so obsessed in impressing other people that they don't reach anybody. Jesus knew he could be deep if he needed to, but being deep doesn't get you. Sometimes being deep gets you drowned. Amen. So he gives this very simple answer in this very crafty parable. He tells a parable that is known in biblical scholarship as the parable of the Good Samaritan. In this parable, Jesus speaks of a man who found himself 
in trouble on a dangerous road. The road was somewhere between Jerusalem, the religious capital of that day, and Jericho, a place that was noted as a secular, worldly place. He wasn't in Jerusalem, but he wasn't in Jericho. <laughs> somewhere between where the church folk hung out and the worldly folk hung out. <laughs> That's where perhaps most people are. Most people are not in our churches or in the street. They're just somewhere in the middle trying, trying to figure out what's going on. Such was the case of this man who found himself on a road between Jerusalem and Jericho. The text says that there on that dangerous road, thieves ambushed him, robbed him of everything he had, stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, left him on the side of the road half dead. Uh, somewhere between Jerusalem and Jericho, this man was in trouble. <laughs> Had nothing. Stripped, robbed, left to die on the side of the road. Jesus then in this parable shares with this young religious lawyer three different responses by three different individuals. For the next few moments, I want to take my time and share with you these three responses. And then you ask yourself, which one do you fit best in? Because I contend that we are somewhere in those three responses. Three responses by three different individuals. The first individual Jesus talks about in the parable uh, was a priest. A priest. He was in charge of the temple. The temple was the most important institution in first century Jewish culture. He was the most important person in the most important institution. In other words, he was a VIP. He was a big dog. Somebody say big dog. <laughs> he, he, he was big shot. <laughs> he big, big shot. <laughs> he had the rings and the robes and all the other stuff. I'm the priest. I, I, I'm the man that's in charge. I, I'm the most important person in the most important institution. I'm busy. I got things I've got to do. Now, according to verse 31, this VIP, this big shot, this big dog, <laughs> this priest uh, simply ignored this poor, wounded, helpless man, not even looking at him. He totally ignored the man and his situation. Woo. We're told in the text, verse 31 says, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by. I don't even want to get near the situation, he says. Perhaps he was on his way to Jerusalem, had a sermon in his pocket. <laughs> On his way to have church. On his way to even act like he's doing the Lord's work. Uh, while the Lord's work was right there on the side of that road. <laughs> Wounded. Uh, struggling. About to lose his life. The Bible said he totally ignored the man and his situation. Can I preach this? Crossing over. To the other side, he passed the man by. There's nothing worse than someone acting as if you don't even exist. <laughs> you don't even exist. 
drove by, walked by, passed by on the other side. The second individual, many names were given for this individual. He was in one translation called and referred to as a Levite. The New Living Translation refers to him as a temple assistant. I'm going somewhere. In other words, he worked for the church. I meant the temple. <laughs> he worked for the ministry. I meant, y'all excuse me. <laughs> I meant the temple. He was a deacon at the church. I meant, y'all excuse me, the temple. He had a shiny badge. <laughs> Perhaps he wore a collar. Had a position. Ministry leader. Uh, he had a position in the temple. Someone in the temple with a title. <laughs> Y'all know what happened when you get religious folk titles. Lord have mercy. When you give a half-saved person, oh, I, when you give a half-saved person, Pastor Lawson, a title, you know, you know you've had a whole lot of headaches from half-saved people with titles. Can't tell them nothing. Think they're in charge. Think they're bigger and better than anybody else. Hardly come to church and barely give anything. Titles. Y'all aren't going to like me. Y'all want me to go back on vacation, right? <laughs> Someone with a title. Look at what this staff person, what this temple assistant, what this Levite, what this somebody with a title did. Now, he did, <laughs> but unlike the priest, his boss, <laughs> he did walk over and looked at the poor man. And one thing about people with titles, they're good at analyzing stuff. <laughs> Lord have mercy. And one thing about staff people, <laughs> they're so good at it. Dr. Sherrard, they know how to analyze stuff. They can put it together for you. They can come up with three-point, ten-point plan. They can, they can analyze all kinds of, so he was good. He, he kind of did his job, Carlos. He went over and he said, well, let me analyze. I'm going to look at the situation. Yes, he's wounded. Yes, he's bleeding. Yes, he's half dead. But just like most have saved people with titles after they analyze they don't do nothing now don't anybody get mad I have nobody in mind I'm not talking about you or anybody else the only dog that hollers is the dog that got hit amen okay. so so if you if you got hit, then you ought to holler, okay? And so he analyzed the situation. He went and looked at the man, uh, but just like his boss, the priest, he did not try to offer any type of help. Here's what the text says in verse 32. He also... Pass by on the other side. But at least he had a report. <laughs> at least he did the analysis. Okay. Usually people's analysis bring you what you already know. Okay. I know he's wounded. I know he's sick. I know he's half dead. You didn't have to spend much time doing that. Question is, what are we going? to do about it. The third individual, can I preach? May I preach? Should I preach? 
The third individual was so unlike the other two. Ah, look at the text. Described in verse 33 as a despised Samaritan. Samaritans were half-breeds. They weren't fully Jewish and they weren't fully Gentiles. And so the Gentiles hated him and the Jews despised and detested him. In all likelihood, this good Samaritan was despised and detested by both the priests and the Levite and the staff member. In fact, he was not even uh, allowed to worship in their temple. How do you know this, Pastor Jackson? Because at the well of Samaria, when Jesus talked to the woman from Samaria, she said to him, you Jews have your temple and we can't worship there. We have our place. This Samaritan who was not good enough to worship with the priest was not good enough to worship with the Levite, was not even good enough to attend their church. Listen, let me put a side note in that we ought not ever get so full of ourselves that only certain people feel comfortable in our presence in God's church. Look at somebody and say, this ain't your church. Excuse the English. This has never been your church. This is not your grandmama's church. My daddy may have been the first pastor, but this wasn't Bishop Jackson's church. It never was. It never will be anyone's church but God's church. This Samaritan did not feel welcome, did not feel comfortable, was not even invited in the temple. However, look at the text. This social and religious outcast, he felt something that neither the priest or the Levite could feel. I'm preaching to somebody now. See, you can fake how you look. You can fake what you say. You can even put on what you do. But really, how you feel eventually comes out. <laughs> out of the heart proceeds the issues of life. With your bougie up in itself, you can, you can act all humble in front of other people. And you can act all like you care in front of other people, but who you are usually comes out. Particularly when you don't think no one else is looking. And no one is there to hold you accountable. Verse 33 says, he felt compassion for this man. This Samaritan was not a priest. He was not a Levite. But he had a soul. He had a sense of caring. He felt something. He cared. Unlike the other two religious leaders. This Samaritan was also willing to do something that the other two were not willing to do. God says it's not enough just to feel something. Look at somebody and say, you got to do something. Ah, just wave at your neighbor and say, touch your neighbor. Say, touch your neighbor. Touch somebody else. You, you have to do something. He was willing to help. He was willing to reach out and touch his neighbor during a time of need. Here's what the text says. The Bible says he got down off his donkey, put the wounded man on his own donkey. Let he got down so the man can get up. Somebody just caught it. Somebody just caught it. See, sometimes in order for us to bring other people up, we've got to get down. 
We've got to get down to where they are. We've got to roll up our sleeves, get our hands dirty. We've got to get down and help those that are in need. The Bible says he got off his animal. He got down and he bandaged the wounds. He took his own oil and olive oil and he put it on the wounds and he made the man feel better. He could have done that and left. That still would have been more than the other two. But he knew that his job wasn't done. Can I preach? Should I preach? May I preach? He knew that his job wasn't done as long as this man was still lying on the side of the road. So he put him on his own animal. He drove him to the place where he was staying. <laughs> Somebody just caught it. He paid for his expenses. Told the innkeeper uh, the next morning, this ought to do it. But in case he needs anything other than what I've given you, take care of him. And when I come back, I'll pay the difference. He felt something. He did something. He felt something. He did something. Look at somebody and say, you got to feel something and you got to do something. You got to feel something and you got to do something. It cannot be just about you. What do you feel? What will you do? He felt something and he did something. Then Jesus concluded this parable in verse 36, he turned to this person who asked him the question and he said to him, now I'm going to help you answer it for yourself. You asked me, what is a neighbor? Who is a neighbor? Jesus turns to having told you this parable, which of these three would you say was a, was a neighbor to the man that was in need? Uh, the young scholar looked at Jesus and simply says, the neighbor was the one who showed mercy. <laughs> Not the one who had church for four hours, <laughs> but the one who showed mercy. Not, not the one who brags about all of his credentials and everything that he's got going on, but the one who showed mercy. Jesus turns to this young scholar and say, yes, now go and do the same. In other words, go touch your neighbor. <laughs> okay, somebody say, go touch somebody. Tell them, go find someone to help. Go touch someone. Go volunteer at the food bank. Go volunteer at the homeless shelter. And no, you don't need to do it and then come back and write me a note and tell me I need you to announce what I just did. If you did it to be seen, then you didn't really feel anything. Amen. But feeling something is when nobody calls your name. Nobody has to know you are down there. Nobody even knows who you are. You get behind your walls, come from behind your fence and do something, do something. Look at somebody and say, we've got to do something. We have to reach out and touch somebody. Listen, I want to conclude this message. Whew, told you it would be challenging. I want to conclude this message by sharing these three key insights that I need you to take with you for the rest of this week, rest of this year, and for the rest of your life. Look at this. Number one is this. We all are a part of something bigger than ourselves. Look at someone and say, it's called community. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than the next building. It's called community. We are a part of something that's bigger. Lord says that we're going to be the light and the salt. We're going to be the shining example. If it's because of 
our spirits that keeps this world together, we've got to understand that we are a part of something that's called community. Please do me a favor and just wave at somebody and say, community matters. Ooh. Community matters. Starlight, Bluff Estate, Eastway Park, Atlas Road, Washington Park. They matter. It would be a shame to have this great, expansive campus that's over 120 acres and we do nothing but have church. God would never be pleased. God would never be pleased with church only. Whew. If you're going to be known for something, if you're going to be known for something, quiet, worshiping arts. If you're going to be known for something, be known for the group of worshipers that seems to care more than anybody else. Be known for those people who will show up at a food bank and says to Harvest Hope, you need any help stacking these shelves? Be known for the group of people like we have in this ministry, so many wonderful people. Some, some, some of our even most elderly people, like, like Deacon Thompson, <laughs> elderly Deacon who's down there helping people all the time. You never even know it. Nobody ever knows it. Down there just helping people that are in need. That's Bible way. This isn't just Bible way. Bible way are those people that are down there helping those that are in need. It's called a community. Second key insight that God has given us for this message is this. Good neighbors make good communities. If you want to improve a community, become a good neighbor. Amen. Not big houses, not beautiful yards, but good communities are made up of good neighbors. <laughs> good neighbors. Let me tell you something. There were good communities when I was a boy growing up on the 48 corridor. When I lived in Arthurtown, that was a good community. Taylor's, Little Camden, Eastway Park, that was a good community. I didn't have to live on Rosewood. I didn't have to live in Heathwood or Shandon. I lived in communities where people helped each other. I lived in a, listen, my, my, my grandfather's wife died at a very young age. My grandmother I never met. My dad was 16, 15 years old when he died. My grandfather was left with two boys still in the house. My Uncle Joe and my Uncle Bobby. Young boys didn't have much. And Granddaddy told me, he says, I worked in an oil mill. I made $2 a day. Couldn't feed my family. He said, but there was a man who owned a store in a community called Taylor's by the name of Mr. Zelly George. Ooh, and dad said, Mr. Zelly George sold bologna and bread and eggs and stuff. And he says, he knew I didn't have money, but he said to me, Malcolm, whenever your boys need something, just tell them to come down and get what they need and I'll put it on your tab. And granddaddy said, I never really took care of all the tab. But see, but Mr. Zelly George was a part of a community that cared for each other. He didn't own Piggly Wiggly or Food Lion. He owned a little store, but he helped somebody. And he helped Malcolm Jackson, whose wife died when she was 37 years old, raising this family to put food on the table. Good neighbors make good communities. <laughs> you want to be part of something good, then you become what God has called you to be. And here's the third and the final insight as you stand to your feet all over this place. If good neighbors make good communities, here's what God said. A good neighbor is willing to reach out and help or touch 
someone in need. You can't be a helicopter neighbor. Got a whole lot of helicopter neighbors. <laughs> you want to fly above the problem and identify it. But God says, I need you to reach out and touch. Ooh, I need you to help someone in need. If it had not been for Mr. Zelly George, my granddaddy would not even have been able to feed his family. <laughs> Thank God for that. Nobody knows who Zelly George is. There's no monuments built for him. <laughs> uh, nothing about him is written in Columbia's history. Most people who are in high positions in our city and county and state don't even know he existed. But there are families that lived in Taylor's that thank God that he did exist. <laughs> so my question I leave you today is this. This is personal. Not for you to judge anyone else. But this is personal. Are you good neighbor ask yourself that there's some boys that need somebody to help tutor them there's some young ladies who need someone to help them I told the story this morning at 8 and I want to share it as the team comes one of the most touching experiences I had as a young pastor my wife and I went to visit one of our elderly church members who was a grandmother with perhaps a fourth to sixth grade education from a little rural part of South Carolina not so far from here. She was a grandmother that lived not too far from this church. And we went to visit her because we heard that she had been sick true story and we walked in the house past the cuff and we saw her granddaughter sitting at the kitchen table perhaps 13 14 years old stretching her hair total frustration Whew. just flabbergasted just sighing Whew. just feeling so ashamed and so I went over to the table and I says, are you okay? She said, yeah, I am, but I got homework that I know I can't do. I said, do you ever do your homework? She shook her head. Ha, broke my heart. Broke my heart. She said, I don't turn in homework. And her grandmother looked at us with tears in her eyes and she said, what is algebra? She said, I, I've never heard of that before. What do you mean, algebra? She said, I, I, I don't even know what algebra means. Raising her granddaughter with a fourth grade education, giving an assignment to bring back the answer to an equation dealing with your subject of algebra in ninth or tenth grade. And I said to my wife, I said, that's why she acts up in school. Because if she can't be the smartest, she said, I can be the funniest. If she can't be the smartest, she'll be the most feared one. I can bully everybody else who was smart. Broke my heart. Came back to the church, immediately met with our staff and others, and I says, across the street, start a homework center. You remember this. Some of you were teachers at the time. I challenged all the educators in our church. I said, I need you to come and tutor people that are in need. Because it doesn't make any sense for us to be blessed with so many resources, and God has opened so many doors for us. And yet somebody who lives three blocks from here 
is about to become another statistic because a grandmother with a fourth grade education can't help her with her homework. God says you got to do something. And God reminded me as I was putting this message together, Mother Jackson, God said, Daryl, don't ever forget that because you can build the houses, you can build the churches, you can build the youth zones, but there's still students struggling with algebra. There's still students who can't write a sentence. There's still students who don't know the difference between a comma and a period. And it's not the teacher's fault because they're limited. They do all they can. But the way our system is set up educationally, Dr. Mary Hellams, is that you do a certain amount of work in the classroom, then you send students home with assignments. Y'all excuse the length of this. But the purpose of that is you are under the impression that they have somebody who can assist them if needed with that assignment. But what if the person you're staying with has less education than you? They've never heard of algebra. They don't know the difference between a comma and a period. It's up to us to reach out and touch somebody else. We have to be that good neighbor. We have to be that church, y'all. We have to be that church that does more than just have church. God is challenging us. God is challenging us. Pastor Lawson, God challenged me the last week. I was on my face, and God says, where your treasure is is where your heart is. Here's what God asked me. He said, how many people on the church's payroll is paid to do nothing but help other people? Rosen, I thought about that. We've got people paid to do a whole lot of stuff. How many people are there to do nothing but take a mother to the grocery store? Do nothing but be there when somebody calls. To be there whenever someone needs. And God says, re-examine who you are and what you've been called to do. And I said to you, challenge begins with me. Listen to the song that Yolanda Adams recorded. Reach out and touch somebody's hand. The altar is now open. Make this a better place if you can. Sister Marsha Jackson, Sister Regina Skeeter. Somebody's hand. Make this
As we lift those hands to the Lord, to those of you that are joining us virtually, my prayer is that I hope you've taken this message in the spirit in which God has given it. I told you before I preached it with you, God beat me up with it. <laughs> God challenged me. God says it's not enough to analyze. It's not enough to plan. It's not enough to say somebody else will get to that. God says you got to make sure someone else does. Make sure you do. And all God has called any of us to do is to reach out and make somebody else's life better. And if you've done that, you are successful. You don't need a title. You need a position. You don't need a degree behind your name. If you can help somebody in need, so many of you do don't even get a chance to talk about it so many of you check on our elderly so many of you check on our students but to those of you who've not yet met that challenge God says I'm challenging you because community matters people matters there are more 13 year old girls like the one I saw many years ago Many years ago, I feel bad because she was 14 or 13 years old and the die had already been cast. The school system had already ridden her off, even checking on her. They said her behavior is so bad, we, we don't know if she'd ever be anything. And I cried and I said, Lord, you know what? We were so busy and we were at the time. We were building this church. Plans, we were building this church. I said, Lord, I got so busy building a building that I forgot I had to build people. Uh, you got to build up people. And that's our challenge. That has always been our challenge. Close those eyes. Let us pray. Eternal Father, we thank you. We bless you. We thank you, Lord, for this series, for this message. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to preach it. I've done what you've asked me to do. I've been obedient to your will. I have fulfilled my assignment for this day as it relates to this message. Now, I pray that we all have been challenged to come beyond our fences, beyond our walls, reach out touch somebody's life if one student makes it because one teacher helped them whew, it's worth it thank you Lord if one young man avoids a game because one brother decided to mentor him whew, it has been worth it and we say thank you let our legacy be not the buildings we build, not the size of our congregation, but let our legacy be the people we help. Let the testimonies come. When I'm dead and gone, Lord, I pray that somebody will say, Pastor Jackson, help me be who I am today. Not the building at Bible Way, but the man, Daryl Jackson, help me. That's my prayer. That's the prayer of so many others. Because we know that we have an obligation and a mission to touch our neighbor. This is our prayer. In your name we pray. And everyone who loves the Lord under the sound of my voice said amen, amen, amen. Listen, the elders and the ministers are in the back. I want to say something to you as you go back to your seat. You can't be changed if you have not been changed. You can't change anybody if God has not changed you. And so if you are looking for a relationship with the Lord, go talk to someone. Because you can't do it without God living inside of you. If God is in you, then all things are possible. Amen.
To those of you that are viewing virtually, the numbers are on the screen. Give us a call. This is not about church membership. Listen, purposely, over the last two years, I've not stressed becoming a member of Bible Way because I've learned something, that a member of Bible Way does not make you a member of the kingdom of God. Okay. I would rather you become a member of the kingdom of God and leave here helping somebody else, even if you never join Bible Way. Join the kingdom because the kingdom is more important than the local church. Come on and reach out in touch. for the benediction, I want to remind you of our vision offering. Because if you really want an opportunity to help, here is one. I want to say this again. 100%, somebody say 100%, goes towards building this vision, a youth and children's zone. And in it, we will have a place for tutoring. We have a place for computer labs. One of the things that has delayed us is because that focus has been expanded. We said to our designers and our builders, we want you to build a place not just for worship. We, we don't need another sanctuary, per se. We, we need places to worship, but we need places to build people up, okay? We need places to build people up. And if you want to help on that, here's the plan. One dollar a day. That's it. Seven dollars. Somebody said, how in the world can you do this for $7? We're going to share with you shortly what, through your generosity, we have been able to do. But we're there. We will get there. through your. So go online, text to give, do whatever you want to do. But just set aside $1 a day. Amen. Look at somebody and say, do something. Don't just talk about it do something. One seven dollars is one less meal to McDonald's. Seven dollars probably can't even get you out of Starbucks for seven dollars. Amen. That's the challenge. That is the challenge that God is asking. If you do that, then we would make this a better world. Come on, let's take it out quiet. Everybody help us. Come on. Make man. this world a better Somebody just wave your hands. Everybody. Wave your hands. Reach out. Somebody needs to know you care. I love you, my brother. One more time. Now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit, may he rest and abide with us, may he walk with us, and as we leave this place, we pray that his presence never leaves us. This is our prayer, in his name we pray, and everyone under the sound of my voice, be it in person or virtual, said amen, amen, God bless you, thank you. you for tuning in to our broadcast and for joining us in person. If you desire prayer, please call 
776-1238. There are many safe, secure, and easy ways to give to Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. Online giving is available to both members and guests through my connections at bwcar.org. You can choose to give through your bank, checking, debit, or savings account. You can give via our mobile giving app by texting BWCAR along with your giving amount to 73256. You can mail your check to P.O. Box 90309, Columbia, South Carolina, 29290. Please do not mail cash. Financial donations will also be accepted at the church on Tuesdays from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. There'll be someone there to pray for and with you. If you feel as if this service was a blessing to you, or if you were moved by the message in any way, please be sure to share it with your family and friends. For additional announcements and for more information, be sure to visit our website. That's bwcar.org.